Phil Robertson was asked, how did you get here in Hollywood? How did you get to this place where you are in your life, with your family, with everything? And you heard his answer. And he summed it up. Let me read what he said. His answer. God was right all along. See, because everybody wants to sell something, do something, make a lot of money. But you see what he began with in his answer. He said, God was right all along. Love me. You know when somebody loves you. Very evident. Trust me. And you know when people trust you. And when they don't. Work hard. You know when someone's working hard for you. Do what is right. Boy, there's a turning point. Just start doing what's right. As God would want. And I will bless you. That's what his answer was. He told that long story. We get caught up in that story. Love me. Trust me. Work hard. Do what's right. And I will bless you. God has never changed that response to his people. Some of them never get wealthy. But they all get blessed. Some of them face crisis all their lives. But they get blessed. Phil Robertson is talking about fruitfulness in his life. And he gives God all the glory. He's different. He's sort of eccentric. And yet if you listen to his words when he gets down to where his confidence is, it is love God, trust God, work hard for God, do what's right according to God, and God will bless you. That story has never changed in the Scripture from the first book of Genesis through the last book of Revelation. Jesus talks about fruitfulness in our lives. We're going to look at that today. If you have your copy of God's Word, I'd like you to open it to Luke, the 13th chapter. If you have one of those New Testaments, it's page 64. But we're going to start in Luke, the 13th chapter, the 6th verse, where we left off, or I think it's the 7th verse. I'll look in a little bit. And we're going to see what Jesus says about fruitfulness. But before I do, let me say thank you while you're turning your Bible. Thank you to those who read the the community email and who read the, the message map. Thank you for those who heeded what the request was. Thank you to that lady who came to work at the property yesterday and that man, 78 year old man, been retired over 10 years who came to work the property. Thank you for those rooms that have been primed and they're ready to be painted when the time comes. Thank you for the work you did in 
in just assisting and cleaning up and, and getting things ready for other people to paint. There's many others. I'm just mentioning those too. But thank you for bearing that fruit. Thank you for being here this morning. I'd like to just lead us in prayer. Would you bow with me? Father, help us. Guys, God, many of us have been in church for a lot of Sundays. And our problem is we just don't understand exactly what you want. Father, today help us to understand what it is Jesus says. And God, give us insight. Give us insight into what it is you want for us and from us. And what you're saying to us. God, may your Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak my words. No, your words. Let my words just catapult us to where you want us to be. Some of us are very young. Some of us are just beginning in life in relationships. Some of us are right in the middle of it all. Some of us, we're moving to the end of life. God, wherever we find ourselves, give us insight into what Jesus is saying to us today. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Matt talked about making all things new, and that last song was just a super song. I think that's the first time I've ever heard it, or at least if I did, I don't know if I've ever sang it before, unless we sang it before and I just don't remember But that's exactly what God does to people who give Him time. I'm going to tell you, you can come to church. See, you can come and be in an experience like this. You can even talk about God or listen to people talk about God. But that doesn't mean you give Him time. To people who give God legitimate time, He will begin changing you. He will begin making things new. In your opinion, He will begin making things new because He starts the assault on your thinking. Because He realizes ever since a little kid, your brain has been shaped by people and a world that says, we are the authority. I'm in charge of my life. I can do what I want. Don't anybody tell me. And you know what's happening in this world. Folks, it's not getting better. The social sciences try to make us think it's getting better. Sometimes the news media will try to make us think it's getting better, but if you look at it for very long, you see all they do is report all the problems. This world's not getting better. Because you see, our thinking has been nurtured to say, I'm important. Our parents bow down before us when we're little. Our parents will sacrifice for us. Our parents will give themselves for us. They say, you're the most important thing. 
Not God's the most important thing. You are. Your activity. Your future. And then if we give God time, He starts assaulting us right here in the mind. And He tries to get us to start changing the way we think. Matter of fact, Romans 12, 2 says exactly that. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that's what He does. And I try as, as, as culturally relevant as I can to speak to you right here. Because you see, He will change you. He'll change you first here in your thinking if you give Him time. And then He'll change you in here in the way you act. You may look at some people and say, I wish I could be like they are toward God. Give God time. Because God makes things new. The thing is, you've got to decide. Will you give the authority to God? Will you give the authority to God's Word? And that's the hard thing in our life. That's a choice you have to make. It's hard to give up our authority to something else. It's hard for me to go to work and just follow the authority of the person who's over me. It's hard for me to give authority to Laura, my wife. It's hard for me now because my children are adults to give them the authority of the right of their own choices and opinions. See, I'm a parent. I say, I want the best for them. It's hard for us to give authority to a pastor. It's hard, it's hard in churches for church members to give authority to chairmen and committees and lead teams and deacons. And you see, from our perspective, we say, well, I can tell you why. Because in my thinking, they always mess it up. But you see, it's hard for us to give authority. And you make the choice. Will you give authority to the words of Jesus to let Him change your life? Today, in what He talks about, it's an area He wants to change us. It's in the area of fruitfulness. So there in Luke, look with me at the 13th chapter. Look there at the 6th verse. Now Jesus is a crowd of people. He's been in a Pharisee's house. You know what's always interesting? He gets invited to these houses. We're going to see in the next week or two. He's going to go back to a Pharisee's house. He's going to get invited. I think it's a setup, but he gets invited. You know, people set you up. They do do that. Okay? But, but today, apparently, there's a crowd of people and and. Questions are asked, things are said. The disciples, his closest followers, are said, if you remember in chapter 12, are you, are you talking to all the people? Are you talking just to us? Well, when Jesus is with these crowd of people, in verse 6, it says, Then Jesus told this story. Now, I'm reading out the New Living Translation of the Bible. If you have a King James or a New International Version, a different version, it may say, And Jesus told a parable. And I know some of us are raised in the church. We say, well, why don't you just say parable? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says story. It's translated into a parable. Jesus just tells a story. And I want you to understand, He's telling the story. He's creating the story. And if I went into what a lot of pastors would and talked about the importance of the parable, I'm just going to tell you this. The importance of a parable or story is there's a truth or a few truths that are attached. 
And those truths are to impact us that they cause us to change something in our lives. And so Jesus, in the crowd of people, decides now's the time to tell a story, to get truth across. Now, why would He do that? Okay? He would do that because in His day, most folks were illiterate. They couldn't read. Now, Jesus could read. The Bible tells us He'd go into the synagogue and He would read from the Scriptures. But most people couldn't read. Somebody else had to read to them, read God's Word to them. Read other things to them. And, you know, back then there wasn't that much writing anyway. And so Jesus told stories because people tend to remember stories and they'd remember the truth from the stories. The purpose of the story, remember this, was to help us in living our lives, our life in this world. That's the purpose. And that's the purpose of this story. And so my question is, what will this story say to you today? What will you take from this story Jesus is going to take? Or will it just be words you'll hear, but it won't be words you really hear? Oh God, give us insight into this story that Jesus is telling. You see, for a lot of us, God, (laughs) what we were as a Christian... Five years ago is no different than what we are today. And God, as you watch us here, eyes open, ears open. Some of us have been Christian 10, 12, 15, 20 years. And really, we're not much different. Holy Spirit, help us to hear the story that Jesus makes up. Help us to gain the insight of the truth that is to change my life. Well, let's go on. He says, verse 6, and Jesus told this story, a man planted a fig tree. Now, do you get it? Thank you. You see, you came into a connection today, unless we just happened to miss you, and you were offered a fig cookie. Okay? Fig tree, fig cookie. Now now catch this. Some of you chose to accept the fig cookie and some of you chose to reject the fig cookie. It really didn't make any difference to me, okay? But some of you chose to accept and some of you chose to reject what was offered to you. Jesus is going to tell a story and we will decide. You will make a choice. Will I accept what he says and let the truth get in my life or will I reject what he said? And the truth will have no impact in my story, in my life. So Jesus tells a story about a fig tree. Jesus said a man planted a fig tree. When I moved to Connection, or when I moved to Mount Vernon, I should say, Laura and I were looking for a home and... A lot of homes had sweet gum trees. Don't you just love sweet gum trees? And I asked the realtor, why are there so many sweet gum trees? You know, those gumballs all falling. He says, because sweet gum trees are easy to grow. You just plant them and they take very little care and they they go up. And, And do you know what the internet says? It says a sweet gum tree. I don't know if it's true. The internet says it. The internet's, you know, almost like the Word of God. Okay? 
No, it's not. But one article said that it takes 20 years for a sweet gum tree to exist before it bears fruit. Can you imagine the surprise the 21st year? <laughs> Man, those are great trees. Grow, great shade. That's what the realtor says. No problem. We didn't have to work hard. And then, boy, the 21st, 22nd year, boom. And, of course, then Dad's a little bit older, and Mom's a little bit, so they tell the kids to get out there and pick those things up. You see, the children inherit what the parents plant. But he tells a story. And he tells a story about a man planting a fig tree. Now, why would he tell that? Because, you see, in Israel, fig trees were very plentiful. They were all over the place. And so every time people would go someplace, the fig tree could remind them of this story. Jesus creates a story, and he says, a man planted a fig tree because fig trees grew very easy. Now, look what he says. He planted in his garden, and he came again and again. In other words, Jesus telling the story. Jesus saying a man plants a fig tree, and he is on a regular basis observing it. He is watching it. He is looking at it. He is sizing it up. He is seeing if it's healthy. He is seeing if it's grown. Has it grown an inch? Has it got a little bit wider? He is looking at it. Is it le- are the leaves coming out in season? He is observing. Now, folks, Catch the story, because Jesus is going to come home with a point a little bit. This is God observing us. God is watching us. God is seeing, are the leaves coming out? God's seeing, are you fulfilling the seasons of your life? God is seeing, is what's supposed to happen, because I created human beings, is what your potential coming about? Now look, he goes on, came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. The purpose of the fig tree is to bring shade. Nope. The purpose of the fig tree is to bear leaves. Nope. The purpose of the fig tree is so little kids can climb it. Nope. The purpose of the fig tree is so... Dad can help the son and the daughter build a tree house and always remember how good dad was that he helped them build a tree house. Nope. The purpose of the fig tree is to have figs. That's the purpose. I'm not telling the story. I'm reading the story. Jesus is creating the story. Understand that. He's creating the story. And look what it says. But he was always disappointed. Why? Why is he always disappointed? Because he's looking for fruit. And there is none. This tree is worthless. But look at the tree house. Look at the time dad spent with the kids. That's worth something. No, the tree is worthless. Look at the bird nest. Babies were born. No, the tree is worthless. The man's disappointed. I didn't make the story up. Jesus did. Jesus has a reason. He's telling a story. He's saying a man plants a fig tree. And he comes again and again and he observes it, watches it grow. But he's disappointed because there, are, there is no fruit. There is no fruit. Now, now let's take a pause in the story and let's look at ourselves. Some of you have been sitting in connection for five years. And in those five years, there's been no figs. Absolutely no figs. 
There's no fruit at all. What have you been doing that's lasting? Nothing. You've been living life. What have you been giving that's lasting? Nothing. You've been living life. Now, I know you're going to say, well, I'm being judgmental. I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what they would have thought of Jesus with his story. Now, there's a lot of people who come to Connection who have been very fruitful. Oh, they probably struggled, pulled away for a while, and then they come around again and they started bearing fruit. Their fruit, bless your life. Their fruit makes your experience possible. Their fruit is just that God would use it so that what God wants to be done can be done. They're just living up to their potential in relationship with God and creating a community for God. You see, there are people in connection who bear no fruit, and there are people in connection who bear fruit. What life are you? Are you a fig tree with figs, or are you a fig tree with no figs? Now let me make something very clear before I go on. Take your worship hand out and find that page for blanks. Look at the first statement with blanks in it, in your handout. Fill in those blanks. They're on, the answers are on the screen. It says, here at Connection, we do not believe that we have God's salvation. Now catch that word, because of the fruit we bear. No way should you leave here and say, Mike's saying we're only a Christian if we bear fruit. Nope. We don't believe you have salvation because of the fruit you bear. We have God's salvation because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. God's salvation comes to us not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done. That's what we believe here at Connection. Okay? Jesus came to this earth, the Son of God, the God-man, fully God, fully man. Hard for us to understand, but you see, we're the creator, creation He's the creator. Not anything was created Jesus didn't create. And so Jesus came to this earth and he gave his self on the cross of Calvary so our sins could be forgiven. He laid in the grave and he showed us, he showed us by rising from the dead that he would defeat death. As, as Phil Robert, Robertson liked to say, you're not going to stay in the grave. He's going to bring a dead person back to life. All that happens because of what he has done, not because of what I have done. Now, listen, but let's get back to the story and what I'm saying here. I think the problem has been is that many of us have gone to church for many years or had many experiences, and usually all we hear is that you've got, you've got to become a Christian. You have to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. That's true, but we don't hear a lot about bearing fruit. We hear a lot about, you better get saved, you're going to die and go to hell, you better get saved, you better go to heaven. Do you know when you die, where you would go? We hear all that. And we don't hear a lot about fruit bearing. And Jesus talked about heaven and hell. Remember last week's sermon? Remember just in the first five verses of this chapter? He said, you either repent or you perish. But Jesus also confronts people about the change that is to take place in their life. And in this regard, he's talking about bearing fruit. Somehow we have missed that within our potential of being created, we are to be in relationship with God. God wants us in community with Him and His people. But He wants us to be sure we bear fruit. Look on the screen. Look at what Paul wrote in Ephesians, the second chapter. Paul said, he's reminding Christians of this, he says, 
God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. In other words, nobody has a relationship with God because they're better than someone else. It's because of what Jesus did. All they did was respond in faith. They believe in what Jesus did. This world says, don't believe that. God comes to you and He says, let me start changing the way you think. Jesus died for you. Now it goes on, look at verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Listen, I'm not, going, I'm not in relationship with God because I preach sermons. I'm not in relationship with God because I'm a good husband, if I am. I'm not in relationship with God because I haven't done all those bad things that other people might have done if I haven't done those bad things. My experience with God, salvation as God calls it, my relationship with God, becoming a part of the community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is not based on what I have done. I can't boast about it, based on what Jesus has done. Now it goes on in verse 10. Look what he says on the screen. For we are God's masterpiece. In other words, I want you to understand, God, God said, I'm going to create man. Now get this real quick. I'm going to create man. Now, if, I, if, if you were told by the doctor, you and your wife are expecting a baby, you're going to have a baby, what would you begin to do? You would begin making preparation to create an environment for that child. You would get provisions so that child, we've got to get bottles, we need to think about how we're going to feed that baby. You would create an environment for that child that you are a part of bringing into the world, and you would make provisions for that child. I want you to know, Jesus The Godhead created this world for one purpose, not for the birds, not for the bears, not for the dogs, not for the cats, not for anything but you and me. We are His masterpiece. Now, this world doesn't tell you that. I'm telling you, from the moment you're a child, matter of fact, we're going so green that we're we're forgetting that we are God's special creation. Now, I want to encourage you, don't miss tonight's Connect group. God rescues us. You miss it, you're going to miss what He does for us. I don't know what you got that you think is more important, but we all need to be rescued. Well, these things I'm sharing with you here quickly, we are learning those in our Connect group. But that's what it means, for we are God's masterpiece. A human is not equivalent to a bear. And you know that's true. A human is not equivalent to a whale. You know that's true. But this world is telling us, no, all creation is equal. That's why we have a mother nature instead of a father God. And I don't have any problem you talk about mother nature. Just don't forget Father God. He exists. Mother nature is how you and I describe His creation. Now it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. There it is. He's going to make us new in Christ Jesus. You, you just by faith believe what Jesus has done for you. God starts wanting to change you up here. So he changes down here. So we can do what? We can do the good things that he had planned for us long ago. We can bear the fruit. You see the fig tree is put in the ground to grow. All those other things may be what happens around a fig tree. But there comes a day you want to be able to pull off one of those figs. Purpose is to bear fruit. Your purpose and my purpose in being created by God is to do the good things that God had determined when He created us long ago. 
And the Bible helps us understand those things. And I know churches and pastors and teachers many times will use the Word of God to bully us into what they want us to be instead of what God wants us to be. Look at the next blank on your message, man. It is not about just belonging to Jesus and going to heaven. That's what we've heard in churches. Most important thing, receive Jesus Christ as Lord. So when you die, you don't go to hell, you go to heaven. It's not just about belonging to Jesus and going to heaven. It is about belonging to Jesus and living a fruitful life. And then going to heaven. And then going to heaven. If it was all about believing in Jesus going to heaven, God would take you once you become a believer, but He leaves you here because He knows if you live up to the potential He has for you, you can impact so many other lives for Him. And so He doesn't take you to heaven when you become a believer. He leaves you here. He leaves you here because, you see, throughout your life's experience, you can bear fruit. You can be fruitful. You are a tree. I am a tree. We are all trees. Looking back just on this past year, can you see fruit that you've bore for God? Or are you just living and bearing what you want? Is it all about you doing with what God has given you for yourself? Or is it about doing it for God? Can you see your fruit? Has your life been all promise and no? Listen, no fruit. Has your life been all about opportunity that God has given you? But you got caught up with what you wanted, that God's fruit has not been born. Is it all about your work, your money, your time, and you just don't have the time someone else has? And so you can't bear fruit. See, just look back this past year. I rejoice. I praise God in my prayer time. I mention names of people that are bearing fruit. They're living up to their potential. And then sometimes I talk to God about people who I see that potential in, but they live so much below it. Because you see, they're busy with their fig tree, their life, letting bird nests be formed, building tree houses, playing with kids climbing the trees. Those aren't bad but making sure that all of life is about bearing fruit for God. Look on the screen. Jude, the brother of Jesus, wrote to Christians. His, his book's really not even a chapter. It's just one, one book, but we put Jude 1. There's no Jude 2. But in the 12th verse, look what he said about some people in church. Okay? This is, this is about 30 years after Jesus has left the earth that Jude wrote this. Jude wrote to this, the church, he says, When these people eat with you in your fellowship, meals commemorating the Lord's love. In other words, they're in community with you. Okay, They even sit down and, and, and break bread with you. He says, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. In other words, be careful. They'll get you caught up with what they're doing that your ship for God is not able to sail straight, sail correctly. He says, they, they are like shameless shepherds. Now, how do we know they're shameless shepherds? Who care only for themselves. 
You see, shepherds care for sheep. Shameless shepherds care only for themselves. Now, I know you're going to say, yeah, but a shepherd cares for the sheep for what he can get from the sheep. Now, we're putting our perspective. Jesus was the great shepherd. He cared just for us. It wasn't for himself that he stepped out of heaven. It wasn't for himself that for all eternity he experienced unity with the Godhead. No ridicule. No put down. No smart aleck answers. How we tend to do in life. Trying to cover up our emptiness and our hurt. And he steps out of that experience and he comes to earth for one reason. To face the ridicule, the smart aleck response, and the persecution. The degradation of humans who hated God. And when, when his, his followers try to defend him, he says, put away that defense. If I wanted to call thousands of angels, I could. This is what must be done. Why does he do it? Because you see, he's not a shameless shepherd. He cares simply for the sheep. That's what it is. Now look, he says, they are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead. In other words, they're like trees that are planted for a purpose and they're not fulfilling it. For they bear no fruit and they have been pulled up by the roots. Why do I share that with you? Folks, fruitless trees... Fruitless Christians were there 30 years after Jesus left the earth. And fruitless Christians are in the churches today 2,000 years since Jesus left this earth. Jesus tells this story because He knows fruitlessness is a reality for people who will tend to hang around Him and come around Him for what they can find that they can give. Now let's go back to Luke 13. Let's go back to his story. Verse 7. Finally he said to his gardener. Okay, Jesus telling the story. Isn't a real activity that's taking place. Jesus is creating the story for his purpose of getting across the truth. Finally he said, this, this, this man who owned this land to his gardener. I've waited three years and there, has been, there hasn't been a single fruit. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. Now folks, I want you to understand. These are judgment words. I could take you and run you through the Scriptures. These are judgment words that Jesus is speaking. Cut it down. Sever it. Separate it. The tree is worthless. It has no value. There's no fruit. In other words, here's what the tree is doing. The owner of the land says the tree is taking up space. Now listen to me. It's taking up resource. It's taking up water. It's taking up nutrients. It's taking everything in, but it's not living up to its potential. Now think about that. In your relationship with God's community called connection, do you just take up resources? Are you just taking a space? Now you can imagine, this is going to make some people mad. Will this make you mad? Because you see, it is all about you. You give when you want to give. You give according to how you want to give. In the sense of your life, your energy, your time. But really, it's all about what you can get. See, Jesus has this this 
owner saying, cut it down. It's just taking up space. If you ever come to our first step session that we have, and nobody can be a member of Connection unless they come to it. In there, I talk about there are some people in the church, listen to me, some people in the church who are just consumers. Church is all about what they can get. And when they decide this church can't give what they want to get, they will go find another church that will give for as long as they can get. And then they'll find another. You see, some people go to church and they're just consumers. They take up space just to get from the resource. And then I talk about, and some people in the church are contributors. It's not all about what they can get. It's all about what God would have them give. And you know as well as I do, it's a tough, tough experience to stop being a consumer and be a contributor. I have learned that whenever I go and order food or buy something I want to go with. They don't treat customers like they used to. Customers are to be the most important thing. And that's not the way people who work today treat customers. Listen, connection people, treat that customer the way they ought to be treated, the correct way. But I've learned as a customer that I need to try to give something to that person who is serving my food. I need to give something to that person who is clinging the cash register buttons. I need to give to the person who is selling me something so they can make a little money. You see, it's hard to move from consumer in our mind to contributor. And it's hard to do that in the church. And Jesus is telling a story and He says this landowner says to the gardener who is taking care of, cut that tree down. All it is doing is taking up resources. It is not serving its potential. And I'm going to tell you, there will be a day of judgment. And the Bible says, not for folks who know Jesus, but for folks who do not know Jesus, the books will be open. Somebody says, you think God's got a lot of books? It's how we understand And people will understand who go to hell that God said, I gave you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to live up to the potential that I created you for, and you kept saying no. No one will go to hell. No one will go to heaven that it's not fair to. Look at verse 8. In Jesus' story, the gardener answers. He questions. He answered... Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year. Now, Jesus is telling the story, okay? This isn't a real-life story, because I want you to understand, he's trying to teach us some things, okay? A tree's planted, a fig tree's planted for a purpose of bearing figs. It doesn't bear figs, so judgment is going to come. It's going to be cut down. That's judgment talk. But in Jesus' story, he says, let's give it one more year. And what he's trying to tell us is God always gives us more opportunity. He does. You see, you could get mad at me and say, I'm not coming back. But I want you to understand, you're hearing the story because God's trying to say, I'm giving you another year. I'm giving you another opportunity. Listen, as long as you have breath in your body, you have opportunity to be everything God wants you to be. That's why people can turn to God before they die. People can turn 
and respond to Him right away. Because as long as you have breath, you have opportunity. And so in Jesus' story, He has this guy saying, let's give it another year. Because Jesus is trying to tell us God is giving you and I another opportunity. If we're not bearing figs, fruit, God gives us another opportunity. Look, it goes on in verse 8. And I'll give it, now look what he says, I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. Verse 9, if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. In other words, in Jesus' story, the landowner is going to be gracious, see? God is gracious. The landowner is going to give another opportunity. God always gives another opportunity. See? The landowner is representative of God. Plenty of fertilizers often offered. And you know what? That's how it is for you. God has somebody come to you. Oh, maybe your parents treated you just terrible. But God has somebody else who tries to show you God's love. Maybe, maybe, maybe you met somebody that was false for God. Don't judge God. He brings somebody else into your life to show you the realness of God and the love of God. See, God keeps adding plenty of fertilizer. He is working hard. He is not giving up on you. And even this morning as I speak, whenever I prayed before I knew I was going to speak, God, let somebody know you're not giving up on them. They can be fruit bearers for you. They don't have to sit idle and just take up resources. Their lives can contribute instead of just consume. Look at the last blank on your message map. Fill in that blank. Here at Connection, we don't give up either. Connection will work with individuals that others might give up on. This is what connection has done for five years now. And this is what connection will continue to do. There's a man I'm working on a connection that lets me down constantly. And for three years, I keep telling him when I talk to him, hey, thank you for contacting me. Thank you for talking to me. Hey, come around again. I need your help. Because I don't know what year, if I allow God to add the fertilizer, that man might begin bearing the fruit that God intended in His life. You see, at connection, we don't give up. At connection, we go the extra mile. At connection, we give the extra help. At connection, we're willing to work with you no matter what your past has been. At connection, we're willing to add plenty of fertilizer. At connection, we're willing to go the extra to be patient with you, to give you time. Some of you know, you've been in churches, where if you didn't respond in a few months, just set you aside. At Connection, we don't do that. If you make the choice to stay involved, the people Connection will continue to seek to build community with you. And if you will make the choice to let God give somebody authority in your life, a Connect group leader, a pastor, if you will make the choice of letting God begin establishing some authority in your life through some of His people, God will begin adding so much fertilizer, I'm going to tell you, you're going to start changing up here. The problem you have is you've had so much of that other stuff in the world that it's a struggle to stay where God wants you to stay. At Connection, we will be patient and not give up. The message of the fig tree is not for all of us to have the same fruit, folks. Okay? The message of the fig tree is that we all bear fruit. That's the message of the fig tree. 
Jesus created the story. It's a made-up story. He set all the details in order to communicate to us. God created us for a purpose, to bear fruit. There will come a judgment day when we will be cut down if we are not fulfilling what God wants us to do. But God doesn't give up on us. As long as we're still breathing, He says there's another day, another opportunity. And God will add plenty of fertilizer. He will add plenty of fertilizer. Your parents keep reaching to you and they ought to give up to you the way you treat them. Or some friend keeps reaching into your life and you ought, they ought to give up on you because you don't respond appropriately. But they don't because God keeps getting the fertilizer. So let me just sort of summarize this all by saying, how can we move from fruitlessness to fruitfulness? How can we move from fruitlessness to fruitfulness? Look on the screen. i got five things listed. First, repent of your sin of neglect. Now, now, don't go any further. Repent, I didn't say of your sins, of your sin of neglect. You see, God has been trying to speak to you again and again and again, but you just neglect it. You need to turn to God and say, God, I'm wrong. This is that repentance experience. Remember I told you last week, we repent to become... Or to, Come into relationship with God. Jesus said, repent or perish. But repentance is what we do continuously if we're going to grow as a Christian. You need to repent of your sin and neglect. God is trying to tell you it's time to bear fruit in this area. Don't neglect it. Don't say, I got a bird house to, a uh, bird nest to watch. Don't say, I got a tree house to build. Don't say, I want my kids to climb the tree. Don't neglect what God is trying to do. Repent of your sin and neglect. Two, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit lives in every Christian. I don't care how much sin you do as a Christian or how little sin you think you do as a Christian, the same Holy Spirit lives in you that lives in other Christians. And that Holy Spirit is there, Jesus said, to bring conviction to you about what God wants in your life. Now listen, He doesn't bring conviction into your life so that you measure up to be Mike Davis's life. He brings conviction into your life based upon where your life is at. You see, if you only have a little bit of money, God's not bringing conviction that you ought to provide things that cost a lot of expense. He'll talk to people who, who, who have a lot of money. If you only have a little time, God is not calling for you to give time you don't have. He's calling for you to find time in your little time for what He needs. See, God, Holy Spirit convicts us about what God wants us to do. You are not to bear the fruit I bear. You are not to bear the, I am not to bear the fruit you bear. You and I are to bear the fruit that God's Spirit speaks to us about. That's why as Christians we run into trouble sometimes because we sit in judgment of one another. You ought to be exactly like me and we bully one another in that, that kind of experience. Repent of your sin of neglect. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Number three, count your figs. Or count your fruit. You are to do an evaluation on your life. I'm going to tell you, when you're around people you know love God, you know they're seeking to live for God, do you relate well? Do you relate well? Count your fruit. Be a fruit inspector. See what you're doing. Look at your life. That's why Jesus is telling the story. He's trying to get those people to look at their lives. That's why you and I are hearing the story. We are to be fruit inspectors. 
Be careful. The world tells us to judge everybody else's fruit. You know why I don't like going to that restaurant? Because I don't like that person who serves me, who talks to me at the counter. Listen, they're responsible to God in how they bear fruit. I am responsible to God in how I bear fruit. My wife, my husband, if you knew what they were like, you'd understand why I'm always having trouble doing what God wants me to do. Listen, you're not the fruit inspector for your mate. You're not the fruit inspector for your parents. Now, parents, you are fruit inspectors for your children until they grow to the place where God says now they are on their own. And the sad thing is, evaluate the fruit you're putting into your children's lives. This world, this creation is for you and them to enjoy, but make sure they're finding out. Even at a young age, begin telling them as five, six, or seven-year-olds, we're just bearing fruit. God would want us to bear. That's why we do these things. Be a fruit inspector. Count your figs. Count your figs. Number four, be sure you're fruitful and not busy. Be be sure you are fruitful and not busy. You see, a lot of us have very busy lives and we don't bear much fruit. And so when somebody says, how's it going? I'm so busy. Be sure you are fruitful and not busy. There are good people who do great things in their busy life, but they don't bear fruit for God. Now see, I can't tell you what that fruit is, but the Spirit of God will tell you if you're bearing it right now, you're hearing the Holy Spirit, and He's saying, you know what? He's hit the nail on the head. You're busy Very little fruit. You do good to a lot of people, but very little fruit for God. Then, be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's saying. And number five, I wrote, learn from fruit-producing people. I think that is so important. Now, you've heard me. You people have been here because when I was in the military, it was those men who got involved in my life that caused me to become the kind of husband I think God moved me to. For Laura, the kind of father God wanted me to be for children. The kind of pastor God wanted me to be. You see, learn from fruit-producing people. Learn from people whose lives demonstrate that it is all about God and they're bearing fruit for God. Listen, you know what people will do? People will try to look at people who are bearing fruit for God and to undercut them to put them down, to say they didn't do it today. Oh, look, at they were dishonest here, or they didn't do this right. Look, you look at a life. You get to know some people who are fruit-producing. They're not perfect. They're just like you. But you know they bear fruit. Seek to learn from their choices. Seek to learn from their behavior. Because you know your choices and your behavior, the Holy Spirit has already told you you're not bearing the fruit. And you need to repent of that. And you need to learn from those who are bearing fruit. And fruit isn't preaching a sermon necessarily or teaching a Bible study, folks. Or singing a song. Those could be fruit. Don't get me wrong. But I think fruit is much more than just that. Learn from fruit bearing people learn from their choices learn from their behavior you know how gracious god is with the fertilizer he gives us the fertilizer of examples to follow to learn from to gain insight 
for our own lives. Bearing fruit. Listen, I've told you Jesus has told this because He wants us to bear fruit. Bearing fruit is important because bearing fruit blesses you. You understand that? God wants us to be fruit-bearing because bearing fruit blesses you. If you listen to Phil Robertson, Robertson, if you read the the book about their family, you'll say, man, they are strange. I wouldn't do that. That's okay. But this man, his children, they have a faith in God that has touched their family. Other people have become popular and wealthy from the same sort of things, invention, discovery, creation, reality shows. But their lives are not blessed. Bear fruit, and fruit brings blessing into your life. God knows that. That's why Jesus is telling the story. No, I think it's better if I have time for myself. I think it's better if I make kids, my kids out to be the gods of our lives. I think it's better if I only think about what's good for me. No, no. That's not what Jesus is teaching. And constantly, he's talking about when you give, you receive. Let me close with Colossians, the first chapter. Look on the screen. This is Paul's encouragement to the early Christians. He says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. In other words, you became followers of Jesus. You're getting involved in the community, the church. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. See, that's what we're trying to get today. Paul says, man, I have quit praying that these things will come true for you. Verse 10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives. Look what he says. Your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Every kind of good fruit, your lives, because they're a community. You see, if you don't produce fruit, maybe connection won't get fruit produced in that area because it's you and a few others who have that ability. You're old, bear fruit with old folks. You're young, bear fruit with young folks. Of course, it wouldn't be bad if young folks bear fruit with old folks and old folks bear fruit with young folks. But he says, verse 10, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of fruit. Now look what he says. All the while, this is why I'm using this, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Your life's going to be blessed. I am to be a servant of my wife. I am to die for my wife. And I battle constantly the idea of being a consumer. But I married her. She ought to give for me. And I'm telling you, I have to repent of that. And I have to continually seek to be a contributor in her life. And I know I receive much blessing from God. You see, when you bear fruit, you get to know God better. You get to understand better what He is doing. Your life is blessed. For some of you, you're wondering why life seems to be passing you by. You can't keep a relationship. You can't keep a marriage. You can't keep your parents or your kids in relationship. You want to know why? Because quite honestly, 
you're a consumer. And you're saying, this is the way I've done it all the time, and this is the way I'm going to keep doing it. And today, Jesus' words are trying to change you up here so that you'll change this. So that through you, God can bear the fruit He intended. And if you will allow that, life won't pass you by. You may not have what everybody else has. But life will not pass you by because God created everything about creation for you, His masterpiece, His special creation. You are His image bearer and He intends for His image bearer to be everything He created to be. Be a fruit-bearing tree. Make the choice. It is your choice. Do we have a question? When I have stayed up half the night working on something for the church, trying to serve God, how do I know whether I'm just being too busy and when I'm truly taking up my cross for Him? Is it okay if I feel okay about it? Okay. So you've been up all night doing something for the church. Okay, always something for the church is not fruit-bearing. So let's just disqualify that. Am I just being too busy? And when I'm truly taking up my cross for Him, well, you may not be taking up your cross for Him if you're taking it up for yourself because, you see, you want to be a good... good you want people to say you're a good worker in that area. So, you see, you've got to spend the extra time making that sign exactly perfect, having all the details exactly in place, okay? And I'm not saying we shouldn't have good signs and we should have details. I believe we ought to be first class for God. Don't get me wrong. I think... We want to be first class in our own life. I don't want somebody scratching my vehicle. I should not scratch God's property either, say I think. But sometimes it gets scratched. And I can't spend time taking care of the scratch because, you see, there's people I need to be relating to. So you may be too busy with details of whatever this is you're doing, and it's really all about people, okay? Is it okay if I feel okay about it? Well, apparently you don't because you're asking the question. So I'm just telling you, churches have constantly worn people out in putting out a product and they don't have time to build community. Our purpose is to build community. The Godhead was in community. The Father honored the Son and honored the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit honored the Father and the, and the, the Son. Jesus says the son, the, fa- the son honors the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. And then they said, let's create man in our image. Did God have ears like this and legs like this? No. The image was that of community. And so He created Adam to be in relationship with the Godhead. And then He created Eve to be a companion with Adam. And understand, companion means Adam's a companion with her to be in community with each other and with God. And they're walking through the garden. Everything's going good. And then Satan comes. He says, I know what God's purpose was for creating mankind was to have community with Him. So I'm going to break up their community. I'm going to tell Eve not to do what her husband has already told her they're not to do. And so Eve ate of the fruit. And then the husband ate of the fruit. So now he breaks community with God. And then they're hiding from God. You see, Satan is always breaking community. Whatever keeps you up all night probably isn't that important unless it's somebody's life and you're sitting with them. You're 
talking with them because it's their life that is on the line, not a sign, not a task that you were a procrastinator, you put off, and now you have to stay up all night. Listen, you're talking to a guy, Laura's here, my wife's listening to me talk, who would stay up whenever I first was a pastor and I'd finish my sermons at 2 and 3 o'clock on Saturday morning. Why? Because I procrastinated them on Monday and Tuesday. Are you following what I'm saying? So this should just be procrastination, and you're saying you're carrying a cross. No, that's not it. Okay? Let's bow together, then we're done. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this person. (laughs) They apparently are a server, and they've given themselves. Help them to understand the value in what they're doing and to be sure to do that which is valuable for you. Father, help each of us to do that. Help us to be fruit bearers. May, May this part of connection because there's a lot of our people gone. May this part of connection bear fruit today for you. Bear fruit tomorrow for you. Bear fruit at least this week for you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.